Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world. <laughs> live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, and also live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello. How are you? Good morning. Welcome to the program. It is hour one of the Michael Duke Show. This hour being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. SatelliteWest.com for all your satellite, cellular, VHF, communications, anywhere, anytime needs. It is SatelliteWest.com. Go see them out there uh, right now. Tell them thank you for sponsoring the program. Oof, man, some good stuff going on here. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to Wednesday, your middle of the week hump day, and uh, we are ready to dive into it and get things ready to rock and roll this morning. I hope that you are, uh, I hope that you're with it because we're going to ask you to participate. Participatory. It's a participatory sport this morning. I love that word. I don't know why, but I love it. We're going to dive into uh, some discussions here in hour one. We're going to talk about some headlines and uh some other things that are going on around the state of Alaska, and then we're going to uh, 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 take some calls as well. So I hope you're I hope you're ready this morning to uh, to be argumentative, to have a point of view, to come out and express your point of view, and do all that stuff. I mean, my my listeners are all mild mannered; they would never disagree with me on anything, right? Uh huh. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Mm hmm. So that's coming up here in hour one. Uh, so headlines, discussions, phone calls, and more. Then in hour two this morning, uh, we are going to be joined by State Senator Mike Shower. Now I say that <clears throat> and realize that, of course, I didn't confirm yesterday, but that was our initial our initial deal. Was that so? Yes, it's. I'm just going to say it's going to happen. I'm going to speak it into speak it into existence. So. Uh, we should be talking with Mike Shower in hour two today, um, and uh, that will be the uh, that will be the remainder of the show for this morning. After we start climbing in, climbing on board with uh, Shower and get a chance to get an update from him on everything that he's seeing on the campaign trail and around the state and everything else, and it should be a fun fun discussion uh, coming up this morning. Um, Coming up on tomorrow's show, uh, we're going to be dealing with some legislative races uh, down on the peninsula. Uh, we're going to talk in hour one with Ben Vincent from Kodiak, who is running against Louise Stutes, the Speaker of the House. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see about his race and how he's been doing in that and uh, whatever discussion points we come up with uh, with him in hour one. 
And then uh, in hour two, we will talk with Heath Smith, who is from Homer and is running against Gary Stevens in the state Senate. So the House and the Senate seats uh, cover and overlapping those areas down there in the lower peninsula and Kodiak and stuff like that. So this should be a uh, this should be a fun uh, discussion uh, coming up tomorrow on the program. And then, of course, uh, Friday is Firearms Friday. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. So that's uh, that's kind of the. Kind of what we got laid out here for the remainder of the week here on the big old program. And we appreciate you coming in and joining us today. So um, I guess I will, first things first, I guess first things first, I will open up the phone lines this morning so that we can talk about any topic you want to talk about. Let's do that. Let's do any topic. It's all open line, open forum. Any topic is fair game. I have got a few. Um, I've got a few stories that I want to get into and kind of dissect and talk about. Um, and so we'll get into those and uh, we'll we'll kind of cover that stuff. But <clears throat> I want you to be able to sound off on something as well. So if you want to, uh, you want to participate. Then come on down and uh, and let's be part of it. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We would love to hear from you this morning. And, um, I mean, sometimes these are my favorite just, well, not most of the times. These are my favorite shows where I just get a chance to talk with you about what's on your mind to see. Because, I, I mean, I know, I know what's going on in my head. But I don't know what's important to you guys. I don't know what is. Uh, I don't know what's hot and what uh, what you know what makes you what keeps you up at night or wakes you up in the morning. So we want to find out more about that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what you guys have to say. Uh, being reported in the chat room this morning from uh, some of our listeners, including Sandy, that uh, still lots of folks without power in the Fairbanks area. Uh, that major major windstorm that took place on Monday night is still having uh, serious knock-on effects for folks up in the interior. And uh, I saw lots of posts on Facebook of uh, folks who had lost uh, trees, trees falling on houses, trees falling across power lines, trees separating main feeder lines from the power lines to houses all over the place. Um, <clears throat> so it is, uh, it is, uh, it's it, it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy out there right now. So luckily, um, GVEA and company are all on board and on top of it, and uh, and hopefully uh, they can get most of that squared away and and cleaned up. And there's lots of other companies and electricians. Unfortunately, I don't think that when you when your power gets taken down from your and somebody will have to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but my understanding is is that if for some reason a tree falls, say on the feed line to your house. From the uh, from the power pole, uh, from the power line to your house, and not that's on you. That's not a GVEA thing. That's on you. So I imagine that many electricians are going to be very very busy uh, over the next few days reconnecting houses to the main grid uh, after trees uh, took those uh, power lines down and and, uh, and and dumped on it. I felt so bad for a lot of these people because I mean just. These lines just broken, pink, just pink, broken right off. 
And uh, that's uh, not necessarily a quick fix. You have to uh, you have to pull all that stuff and and do and do do a bunch of that uh, as well. So anyway, folks in Fairbanks, I hope you get the power back soon. Twenty five thousand people without power um, is what the current uh, report was. So it, uh, it it's it's a tough tough deal. Um, all right, so some of the other headlines. What else do I got for headlines? Um, I've, I've got a few things, but it's been kind of a slow. It's been kind of a slow news week um, all around the state of Alaska as far as things that are uh, you know kind of political in nature. Uh, we got some interesting stories, but not a lot of uh, not a lot of um, um, you know politicking happening uh, other than uh, as we announced yesterday. Uh, the governor has decided to not fill out a- any questionnaires from the ADN or from the Alaska Beacon, and we assume from pretty much anybody else at this point. We'll talk about that. Um, Rick in the chat room, who I met yesterday, it was nice to meet Rick in the chat room. He purchased a uh, he purchased a, uh, uh, a mug from the show, and I just happened to be going by his neck of the woods. And so I delivered that yesterday, and it was nice to meet him. Um, I saw he was drinking out of the mug this morning. He said, "And it's a huge cup. It's a big cup. It's a. I told. I mean, it's a fifteen. I'm a big guy. Give me a cup of coffee. I need a big cup of coffee, right? Don't give me these little demi tasks. I got to hold it between my, with my pinky sticking out or something. I want a coffee mug. I want a mug. You know what I mean? I want something big and bold and." Delicious, just like me. Um, that's what I want. So anyway, it's a, it's a, it's kind of cool. Um, all right, we've got um, <clears throat> we've got uh, some other stories here that we're going to uh, kick over and talk about. One story, which we'll get to in the next uh, segment, is going to be talking about this new lawsuit that's been filed by more than twenty Republican state attorney generals against the federal government. And over of all departments, the Department of Agriculture, they filed a lawsuit against President Joe Biden's administration and the Department of Agriculture over a school meal program. I mean, that just shows you right there, before I even get into anything else, that just shows you right there how overarching and overreaching the federal authority has become when you've got the school lunch program being overseen by the Department of Agriculture. Right, I mean, this. Uh, it, it's anyway. It we're I. It, it's going to take a whole segment to unpack my thoughts on the lawsuit and everything else involved in that. So we'll get back to that here in uh, just a few moments. Um, <clears throat> Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski, has uh, she got some splendid to do? She got some splendid to do. Uh, her standing with the uh, National Rifle Association, the NRA, has been downgraded to a B rating. Now, again, let me just say this before I start to do a little bashing here. Um, I believe that the National Rifle Association is is and has been a fantastic organization. I think mostly at the grassroots level is where I support it all, like full-throated, roar, hearty, 
yes, these are the people that I love. I'm not too happy with the leadership of the NRA and haven't been over the last couple of years, specifically because a lot of the scandals and things that have happened uh, and the fact that they were threatened with the dissolving of the organization by the state of New York and some other things that were going on. So I want to throw all that out there and acknowledge that I'm a little bent about some of that stuff. Um, but <clears throat> I would also say that based on Lisa Murkowski's performance, sliding her only to a B seems kind of weak sauce. Um, she should have, in my opinion, she should have been doused at least to a C based on, but she got a, now she's a B. She was an A, now she's a B. Um, uh, Murkowski standing uh, has caused her gun rights issues uh, ratings to fall and setting up a major contrast between her and her opponent, Kelly Shabaka. Uh, Kelly Shabaka is getting an A rating right now from the National Rifle Association for her strong position in defending the Second Amendment. Um, she had previously, Murkowski had previously been awarded an A and it's just slipped down to a B. I mean, it should be, I mean, it should be a C at maximum. I, I just want to, I, I just want to put that out there. A C at maximum. Uh, some of the people in the chat room right now are saying it's a full on F. I wouldn't have disagreed with an F rating. I would not have disagreed, but to say that she slid dramatically down to a B, that just doesn't seem dramatic. Just doesn't seem dramatic and it doesn't seem to match what's going on, Right. Uh, I mean, this should have been a C at the highest. I think that she should have slipped down at least into a D or a D minus rating uh, at at least for this right now for Murkowski. Um, she has continued to do things like she uh, confirmed um, the leftist Supreme Court Justice Katanji Jackson Brown Jackson who couldn't define what a woman is and definitely is no friend to the guns uh, issue and the Second Amendment issue. And then she voted for the Democrats' gun control package back in June. Um, and she's been captured on private camera. She was captured on candid camera talking to David Hogg, in which she told him that, yes, changes needed to be made to gun laws in America. And we needed to basically, she was con basically uh, conjoling and confirming with him that that's the direction that she wants to go which immediately ought to throw her just out of any contention for real national office representing Alaska. But, I mean, yeah, this this whole thing where, you know, she got downgraded to a B, I thought that is like, seriously? I mean, that that's, that's all you got, NRA? Is you downgraded her to a B? What, you don't want to offend her in case she wins again? I mean... Is it? I mean, because I can tell you that's exactly what's going on. Somebody at the NRA is like, "Well, you know, she's doing really bad, but uh, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't bang on her too hard because you know she could win, and then we'd have to work with her again. So we don't want to, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, really mark her for what she. You guys are a bunch of wusses. I mean, just a bunch of wusses. Yes, you may have to work with her again. But this is the time to take a stand and not and, – and if you're going to support somebody else, support somebody else. Just give her the F. Give her the D. Give her the whatever. But a B? She slid down to a B? Oh, and they're all talking about the money. Well, I mean, she, before she received over $146,000 in funding from the ILA, the NRA's political uh, faction – she received over $146,000, but with a B rating, that funding is going to dry up. Do you think she cares? 
This chick's got millions in the bank. I mean, millions. And you should... Maybe I should have saved this story for the second segment as well. Because, (laughs) wow. Wow. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta go. We got, we're gonna be back with more. Couple big stories. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. You want to sound off on any of these things? We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to our friends at Satellite West for uh, sponsoring the show. And we will return with more in just a moment. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Radio. Hi, how are you? Yes, it's Wednesday. Yes, I feel it. Yes, I am exhausted. I don't know what's going on. Uh, a little punchy this morning. Let's see. What else we got here? Kenai City Council had a special meeting last night to listen to set natters who are suing the state because they aren't fishing. And everybody else is because they aren't fishing and everybody else is. Um, I can have my gloves on and use the mugs. It was 38 degrees here, so. Well, good for you, Rick. Like I said, I don't do things halfway. I mean, that is a big, big mug. Um, I uh, uh, I delivered I delivered uh, uh, those mugs here. Uh, Brian got one. You got one. A couple others, and everybody's commented on how big a mug it is. And I'm thinking, I was wondering if I should have gotten the twenty ounce mug. <laughs> they had this twenty ounce mug, and I'm like, I really should just get that one. I mean, that'd be a one-and-done mug. I don't need to go get a second cup of coffee. You know, it's it's good. So, um, But I digress. David said, I saw that video. He's talking about the video of Murkowski talking to David Hogg. Um, she's such a slimy two-faced elitist. I, I mean, again, she is telling people exactly what she wants to hear. Rick's right. They're, she's telling people exactly what they want to hear. Um, and she'll, she'll do anything. Uh, but again, no conservative bones in that body right there. It's always been that way. And I've known that since she was appointed. I mean, I, I, if I had, sometimes I wish I had copies of the show from 15 years ago when I could have gone back and shown you that I complained and warned you, warned you, the listeners about her back in the day because uh, all you had to do was look at her, her track record in the state house and know that she was no fiscal conservative. No, she was not going to, you know, the only reason she ran is because she had daddy's name. Um, all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just saw her fishing yesterday, her fishing ad yesterday. She's that down to earth worker next door approach. 
and I'm, I'm afraid it will work on some low information voters. Yeah. Uh, FYI, we lost our UPS driver. He was found in the Point Mac area in his truck. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. That's a that's a shame. That's a shame. Look like uh, one of the local UPS drivers for out here in the Canicus Bay area uh, took his own life out on the drove out on the drove out on the on the peninsula here and uh, and took his own life. It's, it's sad. It's sad. Okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Maybe an F. I am an enabler. A coffee enabler? Yeah, that's what I'm all about, man. Watch your blood pressure, Mike. They're all playing the game. Yeah, I mean, it... It. it, it I, I don't know. I'm just so frustrated with the whole thing. I mean, again, it's like the NRA. You know, they, 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 they are in perilous waters, and yet they continue to just throw all the life preservers overboard. You know what I mean? They had the opportunity to clean house and fix a lot of the problems that are going on there and, and chuck Wayne LaPierre out the door. And what happens? Oh, no, he's reconfirmed. He's reconfirmed. It's a cult of personality inside of the NRA right now. A cult of personality. Um, just It just... just just bad. Can we go back in time and give Frank a con? <laughs> wow, Bill. Wow. <laughs> oh. All right. <clears throat> well, feel free to call in this morning, guys. I need your help to uh, keep things rolling. Keep me on even keel this morning. I might just blow up at some point. I'm a little tired. And my uh, perception meter, my filter, it may not be in place. So feel free to give us a call. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free throw radio. All right, welcome back to the program. Hour one of the big radio show as we continue. Uh, remind you that phone lines are now open and you are welcome to sound off uh, on anything or, or any of the topics we've talked about or something completely new, if that's what you really want to uh, get into. Let's uh, continue on here. Uh, we were just talking about uh, the downgrading of Lisa Murkowski. Uh, from her stellar A rating on the NRA's uh, voting, which I'll be honest with you, even back in 2016, I never understood how she got an A rating from the NRA with all the comments that she made and everything else. She hadn't voted for any major gun legislation, uh, but she 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 voted to endorse Hagen and Sotomayor, and she had all these answers. And I mean, she she is no friend of the Second Amendment. And it's like the NRA was like just, you know, any port in a storm, anybody that we can get to, that's uh, what we need to do. That's, uh, you guys are killing me. And then dropping her from an A rating to a B rating, again, just seems like capitulation to me. 
That's what it just seems. It just it just seems like it's capitulation. Um, we don't want to offend her. I mean, we want to show that she's not our favorite person, but we don't want to offend her because she'll probably win, and we'll have to work with her. We don't want to do that. So we'll, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Kara, Kelly Shabaka is over there with a full-throated roar, demanding uh, protections for the Second Amendment, and she did get the A rating, so that's good. I don't know what of a difference it'll make at this point, but. I'm thinking at this point that Murkowski's new base really has no care one way or the other for the Second Amendment. I'm thinking that's going to be a big deal. Um, so anyway, that was one of the big stories that came out. Uh, I want to get into the story talking about this new lawsuit uh, over the Title IX stuff from the USDA and some, uh, but that's going to take some that's going to take some time to dissect. So we'll wait on that here for a moment and go over to the telephones and enjoy a conversation with one of you. Let's open up the phone lines and get things rolling with our first call of the day. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Ron in North Pole. Hello, my friend. Well, I would simply say, and I can say this with some degree of authority, being a benefactor-level member of the NRA, uh, Mr. LaPierre is a crook, pure and simple. I I, I would not uh, disagree with that at all, yeah. And uh, in addition, the uh, the modality that the NRA uses to elect its board members, as you often use the term, is is purely a self licking ice cream cone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, look, they, they had an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, look, they had an opportunity to clean house, right? I mean, here's the problem with a public organization, especially a public organization that does that has a, a very important job. And the NRA has done a very important job for over 100 years protecting our gun rights and doing everything else. It's a member-supported organization. Um, they have a responsibility, both both in, in creed and in fiduciary responsibility, to appear above board, to always maintain that appearity uh, of, of propriety, right? I mean, that, that appearance of propriety. They have to... So any appearance of impropriety immediately tarnishes the whole organization. And we didn't just have an appearance of impropriety. We have a, a, a I mean, it, it is a total poop parade from, it is a brown chocolate poop parade from one end to the other. I mean, the state of New York was threatening to revoke the charter of the NRA because of the mishandling of funds. We're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars that were misappropriated. LaPierre's, his freaking wardrobe was hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of a few years just his wardrobe oh we got to dress him we got to fly his family on private jets we got to do all this. i mean it is such a charade at this point it it, it 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 and they had the opportunity to fix it and what did they do well they glad handed him patted it on the back and set him back up let's go wayne you're number by the way wayne lapierre never been one of my favorite people because he was one of the he was one of the most strident voices behind the 1986 fopa the firearms owners protection act which outlawed the introduction of new new firearms into the nfa list uh and that was the, that that was effectively exactly kill, yeah killed the machine gun ban he was one of the exactly. prime architects behind that and and I, he is no he is no friend he is no friend of the of the of 
of the Second Amendment, guys. I, I just got to be. That's that's my feeling. That's my hot take on it. I know it's not popular. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've been an, I've been a member of the NRA for many years. I have not renewed my membership now. I never bought a lifetime membership, but I have not renewed my membership now for I think. I think I'm going on five or six years now because I was so disgusted by some of the things that I was seeing and the fact that they were calling me every m- month, week for more money when I had already joined and given them money hundreds of dollars over the years. And they were like constantly, and I'm like, this is, this just feels slimy. All they want to do is pump me for more money. And then I found out more about what was going on at the at the upper levels and I was like, no, 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 no. So. Exactly. So, and uh, back to uh, Senator Murkowski. I think you uh, touched on it uh, concerning her duplicity as far as Supreme Court justices is, are concerned. I would also uh, postulate that she probably, uh, if things go badly for her in the upcoming election, which I unfortunately don't think they will, but uh, I'm sure that she has a golden parachute that would cover the Pentagon. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure she's. I'm sure she's covered. Uh, I'm sure she's covered. Absolutely sure she's covered. Um, but yeah, she. Yeah, she is. She. Look, that woman um, has. She's. She's got it in slick, right? And, and the worst part. And I wish I could find it. I. I went through a few uh, about five or six years ago, and I cleaned out some of my email. And I wish that I hadn't. Uh, in such kind of a slapdash fashion, because in that email was a response from Murkowski's office uh, that I went and looked for about a year later and realized I deleted it. But it was a response over um, the nomination of, uh, it was either Sotomayor or Hagen, Kagan, and I can't remember which one was first. It was whatever the first one was. And it was a response from her that was one of the most amazing responses that I'd ever gotten from uh, anybody's office after I sent him an email or a letter talking about how, well, you know, the president should get what the president wants, essentially. That if the president wants to have that person there, it's not my job to do anything. I just have to, you know, kind of check the box and move on. And I thought, did you read the Constitution? It is the Senate's job to confirm or, or deny the appointment of those positions, especially since they're for life. And you are supposed to have your own litmus test. It's not a free pass for the president to put anybody he wants on there. But that was the the gist of her email. It was. It's just astonishing. I recall it vividly, and I will. Uh... I'll leave you with that and let somebody else get over the line, Michael. Have a great day. Thanks, Ron, for your call. I appreciate you uh, uh, sounding off. Yep, yep. The the the, the Wayne LaPierre is a crook. Uh, that pretty much summates the whole feeling right now. And and you know what? I got no. This is not Firearms Friday, but since this has come up, I'm going to go ahead and run with it a little bit, just because uh, you know it. This is this is a problem. I mean, the NRA is the acknowledged preeminent firearms rights organization in the U.S. I mean, we've got Gun Owners of America. We've got uh, Firearms Policy Coalition. We've got a lot of other players out there who are doing yeoman's work in, in, uh, in, you know, in the space. But, I mean, the, you know, Gun Owners of America has got 400,000 members. NRA's got four-plus million, what, four-and-a-half million members. So, I mean, everybody else is pretty much small fry. And when you see what's going on with that organization, it, it 
it is shocking. And I've spoken to a lot of people who have been part of those, uh, you know, of the of the organization for years and years and years, and they are disgusted and frustrated with what's going on, but they have not been able to fix it. You know, um, you know, you got Rob Pincus and some of the other majors out there who have taken a lot of heat for criticizing the NRA, even though that's, you know, they've been part and parcel of that stuff for a lot of years. Um, you know, of course, you got Jeffrey Knox, who's Neil Knox's son, and they've had problems with the NRA for, you know, decades uh, in regard. And they could see some of the handwriting on the wall on this stuff. But I, I just got to say, this is, uh, they've got to get their poop in a group. They really, really have to get themselves squared away. And it was so disheartening to see them just go ahead and arbitrarily reelect LaPierre as the king in chief. Um, and I just, you know, it, it, it's astonishing. I stopped giving my money to the NRA, like I said, five, six, seven years ago. I And I actually became a life member of the Gun Owners of America, which is a much smaller organization. But uh, they do... They do a lot of work, a lot of work. And so that would be, if I was recommending anybody wanted to drop some money into an organization that defended Second Amendment rights, I would probably say GOA, Gun Owners of America. And then I would probably also say the Firearms Policy Coalition, which is uh, another organization that's, it's a gun rights organization, but they're more on the uh, uh, litigious side. They're the, they're the legal arm of the second amendment uh my friend jen jakes works for them and does a lot they, they do a lot of good work they're they're fighting a lot of these battles out there so uh anyway great um great uh great people in those organizations but yeah an nra rating dropping from an a to a b for murkowski pretty weak sauce i think is uh is the bottom line answer for that pretty weak sauce yeah, I'm burning up all of Friday's content on a Wednesday. Trust me, I'll have plenty of stuff for Friday. Just trust me on that. All right, uh, we got to um, we got it. We got to we got to we got to get get back on. We got 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 to get back on. Uh, yeah, we'll get Jen Jakes on Firearms Friday. I've been trying to get her on Firearms Friday for a while, so we'll we'll see if we can get her coming on again, and uh, we'll let you guys know what's going on. Uh, all right, we uh, got more coming up. One final segment. Mike Shower coming up in hour two. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, use my name, says Brian. Use to get Jen on. I mean, I've known Jen for a long time, but um, I am having. She's she. I mean, she got COVID. She got wicked bad COVID, like it put her in the hospital type COVID. 
Um, and she's back at it now and doing things. She changed jobs. She used to be with Bearing Arms, and then she went. I think she was with. Uh, uh, she was working for uh, Town Hall, doing some stuff for firearms, and then she got picked up as the PR person for the Firearms Policy Coalition. And I think I've spoken to her one time since she took the new gig with the FPC. Uh, but do you know her? Is that is that the? If you know her, send her a message and say, "Hey, why 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 haven't you been back on Michael Dukes' show?" I've left her several messages, and uh, and I keep I keep getting the polite brush off. I know she's got a lot of stuff going on, but. I want to get her. I want to get her back on the program to talk about it. She's fun to talk to, and she's got a lot of good things to say. And the FPC has been doing. My God, they've been doing some good work. Uh, they were part of the Rittenhouse deal. They were part of the. Uh, they were part of Bruin. They were. They were filing amicus in, in briefs in support of Bruin and all this other kind of stuff. They've been doing some real work out there. And, uh, but yeah, I, I just haven't been able to get her to respond to me. So if you know her, Brian, nudge her for me, get her back, get her back in the fold here with us where we can visit with her every couple months and see what's going on out there. Um, it would be cool to get the top dog from GOA on. I, uh, am good friends with, uh, um, with Larry Pratt, who is one of the founders, uh, one of the one of the chief cook and bottle washers for GOA for many years, uh, Larry has since stepped down, and his son Eric is taken over. Um, Larry would make himself available to me pretty much any time I wanted. I sent him a text message, and he would say, "Yep, let's do it tomorrow or whatever." And um, but uh, Eric has been a little red- reticent. I've only had ever had him on the program one time. And then he likes to send uh, their legal counsel, Michael. Um, I can't remember what Michael's last name is. Anyway, he's their federal. He's their federal legal counsel, on. Um, and uh, he he has been on the program a couple times, but yeah, it, it got real difficult. It's nice when you know somebody and you can send a text message and just say, "Hey, uh, can you, you have time to be on the show?" Um, I do that with many of our. Many of our semi-regular guests, national guests, like on Firearms Friday, I just have their phone number and I just send them a text message and and they get back to me. But yeah, GOA, it's been a while since we had anybody from GOA uh, on um, Michael Hamilton. I think it's Michael Hamilton. Uh, anyway, it's been a while since we had anybody from GOA on, mainly because I'm having a hard time getting a hold of anybody. So, but we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what goes on here. Okay. But it would be cool to get the top dog from GOA on. Um, uh, GOA is... I'm sorry, folks. <clears throat> I'm very tired this morning. <laughs> GOA is right of center when it comes to the Second Amendment. Uh, NRA is more center, if not left of center. I mean, I would say at this point, left of center. Like I said, I'm... I'm I always felt like I was holding my nose when I gave money to the NRA because I was, I've been mad since I was a high schooler over the whole, um, FOPA thing, the firearms owners protection act thing. Um, I've been angry about that for years and especially at, uh, Wayne LaPierre for being a big mover and shaker on that. Um, um, I think I've seen, or, or Eric Pratt. Well, I mean, uh, Eric Pratt is the top dog, pretty much. I mean, Larry Pratt is his dad. 
But Larry's really not doing interviews or anything now. It's mostly gone to Eric. So, yeah, I would love to have, uh, I would love to talk with Eric uh, about a lot of these things. Okay. But is that what you're talking about, Brian? Where you say use my name, do you know Jen? Because if you do, go fist bumper for me. Tell her, hey, give me a call. Give me a call. Let's get it going on. All right. I'm going back here. Yep, with advice and consent. It's advice and consent, David. That's exactly it. That was what we were talking about, Senator Murkowski. All right. <clears throat> So, uh, we're 35 seconds out. If you haven't uh, liked and shared this video yet, why haven't you? Only one person is. There's 38 people in the chat room. Only one person has liked the video. So, apparently I'm just making people mad today. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, like and share. Like and follow the show page. Hit subscribe. Ring the bell on YouTube. Let's get, let's, uh, let's get all that stuff done. Here we go. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Bah, 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 bah. All right, uh, one final segment. We're expecting to hear from Mike Shower this morning in uh, hour two. So we look forward to uh, seeing what he is going to want to talk about this morning. Man, stuff, everything's loud today. Everything's loud today in my head. Um, so we're going to be uh, talking with him here. Uh, hopefully in um, uh, at uh, 7.05, um, and we'll have a conversation with him about, well, whatever. Meanwhile, phone lines are open this morning for open line, open forum. I had some headlines that we were dealing with. Um, let me get into the next one. Uh, the next, uh, call Michelle to wake him up. Um, let me get into the next headline that uh, is... Uh, from the AP, uh, Associated Press, Kimberly Crusai, Crusi, has written this for the Associated Press. Um, more than 20 Republican state attorney generals, including Alaska's, filed a lawsuit uh, yesterday against uh, the president's administration over a Department of Agricultural school meal program that prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, all right, let me just let me just continue to read through here before I before I jump off before I jump completely off the rails. Let me let me continue here. The challenge which is being led by Tennessee Attorney General Herbert Slatterly claims that the federal government is attempting to force states and schools to follow anti-discrimination requirements that misconstrue the law. 
The cadre of attorney generals are hoping for a similar result to a separate challenge from earlier this month when a Tennessee judge temporarily barred two federal agencies from enforcing directives issued by the Biden administration that extended uh, protections for LGBTQ people in schools and workplaces. The judge sided with the attorney general's ruling that the directive infringes on states' rights to enact laws. Laws such as banning students for participating in sports based on their gender identity or requiring schools and businesses to provide separate bathrooms and showers to accommodate transgender people. And yet, here we go again. They're trying to do it again. In May, the USDA, that the U.S. Department of Agriculture, announced that it would include discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity as a violation of Title IX, which is a huge sweeping law passed back in the 70s that guarantees equity uh, between the sexes, quote, in any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Again, this is the hand that feeds you, people. This is what I'm talking about. Anytime you accept federal dollars... Be prepared for the, you've got the, the, the iron fist in the velvet glove. Here's the velvet glove with all the money. Here's the iron fist where we will tell you how to run your lives. That's exactly what it's all about. The directive requires, the Title IX directive, requires states to review allegations of discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation, as well as update their policies and signage. Now, it is a school lunch menu. Okay, that's this is it's a school lunch. How much discrimination is going on in a school lunch cafeteria from the lunch ladies? Anybody is I mean, we're we're more likely to be fed floor sealant as milk as we are have discrimination against. Oh, wait, that happened, didn't it? Never mind. Uh, The agency warned that states and schools that receive federal funds, which included the National School Lunch Program overseen by the USDA, have agreed to follow civil rights laws. Okay. I mean, that, that, yes, of course. Civil rights laws. Absolutely. That, That makes sense. But why does it have to become such a big, hairy deal? Uh, I mean, that's, that's the thing. The... The uh, Although the agency says it wants voluntary compliance, the USDA says that, it has also promised to refer any violations to the Department of Justice. Oh, here's the iron fist, right? The velvet glove will give you all this money to feed the children and everything else, but if you don't do it the way that we want you to, we're going to sick the Justice Department on you. The same FBI, by the way, who, well, that's a whole other show. That's a whole other show on that, but... Yeah, trust me. Uh, It's not clear whether the federal government would hold back funding for school meal programs as part of its enforcement. But, of course, that's the implication, right? The implication is always do as we say or we'll take away this money that we've given you, this free money that did. I mean, it's not really free, but, you know, you feel like it's free. But somehow, apparently, the school lunch ladies are in danger of discriminating against somebody you know, and, and it's really not about a, a case of actual discrimination what they're trying to do is they're trying to normalize all this stuff across every different separate area that they can get to and they just inundate you 
with all these little different and, and they get you they get you so that they can catch you at any opportunity and they can use it against you at any opportunity. Oh, well, you didn't you must be bigoted then. If you didn't do this or you didn't do that or you didn't give him cheese on his cheese sandwich, then it must be because he's this part of this certain subgroup. This certain gender identity or whatever. Um, <laughs> the directive followed a landmark civil rights decision based on the U.S. Supreme Court in 2020 that under a provision called Title VII protects gays, lesbian, transgender people from discrimination in the workplace. Okay. According to the lawsuit, the attorneys, uh, the attorney generals allege that the USDA's new directive is based on a misreading of the Supreme Court ruling and did not provide states and other groups the opportunity to provide public comment. Well, this has been an ongoing problem with uh, the United States government for the last few decades, quite honestly, is a complete and total abdication of the role of Congress of making and enforcing laws. They instead have been passing these very broad and beige-colored frameworks and then passing everything else off to the, uh, to the uh, different departments and divisions and saying, you guys fill in the blanks with regulations and rules. And in fact, that's what the Supreme Court has been talking about recently is that Congress is – the administration uh, and previous administrations have been overstepping their bounds because they are reading into and creating regulations that are beyond the scope of what Congress had enacted, the lawmaking body of the country. See, the problem is, is because it's hard to make laws. It's hard to get everybody to come together on the table and make very specific laws. Much easier to create these very broad and vast and idyllic, you know, frameworks and then pass it over to a bunch of bureaucrats who uh, spend all day in their cubicles doing whatever, making up rules for people who live 3,000 miles away. That makes it a lot easier for the Congress critters because then they can go out to their uh, then they can go out to their sponsor and their donor lunches and they don't have to be bothered with doing all the hard work on the floor of the Congress. That's what's going on. But it's starting to catch it's starting to catch on. You're starting to see again, they just won the lawsuit about the um, about the bathrooms and the uh, the transgendered uh, sports, uh, you know, basically putting regulations on who can enter into what sporting events based on their actual gender at birth versus what they identify as. They, they've been winning these battles across the country, and it's going back to states' rights. It's something that I've been saying for years is that the one thing that we're going to have to be used as a shield uh, for all time is the Tenth Amendment, which basically states that all rights not laid out here, too, are reserved to the states. All these things that are not, basically says if it's in the Constitution, the federal government, that's you. Everything else is reserved to the states. It is a state's rights issue. You have no say in it. Now, they do have say in it if they give you money, then they put the hook in it, then they do. This is why I'm always saying we need to stop taking the federal money. But that's just free money. Why would you do that? Think of the children. I am thinking of the children. I'm thinking of the long-term impacts of taking money and having them dictate to us how we have to live our lives for accepting that free money. That's what I'm talking about. 
See, they can get away with it when they say, well, we're giving you money, and if you want to do it, then you've got to do it our way. Otherwise, you could tell them to go to hell. It's none of their business what we do in this state. As long as we're not breaking any federal law, we're fine. States' rights are states' rights, and that's essentially what the... Um, that's essentially what the Roe v. Wade case came back down to, is that there is no federal right to that. The states can make that decision. The states can do it. And that's initially what we were supposed to be, right? We were supposed to be this laboratory of democracy. This It was supposed to be a great, the great American experiment was all these different states with different varying rules. If you didn't like one, you went to the other. And each state could have a different set of rules for a different group of people. That was that was what made it great. Just say no to federal dough. That's that's not a. I think we I think we should get a T-shirt that says that. Just say no to federal dough. Oh man, there is so much that I we could continue on with this, but we're gonna go here. We're hoping to hear from Mike uh, Shower here in the next segment. We will continue. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading back. I'm just reading back through uh, some of the chats here. Um. How now the lunch people are the bad guys? That's insane. Well, I mean, that was my question. I mean, why do you have to have Title IX protections in serving food in a cafeteria? I mean, is that really a huge problem where the lunch lady won't give some transgendered person their cheese sandwich and tater tots? Is that a problem? I mean, if so, it sounds like it's an HR problem more than anything else. I don't know as you necessarily need to come in and mandate and change federal law to make it work. Are they classifying Are they classifying not having enough ethnic foods as discrimination now or something? I don't know. And yes, so it's okay to starve the children as long as you're making a political point on it. Remember. As long as you're making a political point, it's okay to starve the children. Although, I guess, in all fairness, they haven't said whether they would remove the monies or not. But that's, again, that's always the implicit threat from the federal government anytime they talk about these things. Well, this is a federally funded program, dot, dot, dot. Meaning we'll jerk the rug out from underneath you if you don't do what we say. Maybe they don't full outright come and say it, but it's the implication the whole time, right? Uh, just join the FPC. Thanks, MD. Well, thank you, Kevin. Um, I think uh, if you're going to spend money, the Firearms Policy Coalition is not a bad place to do it. Gun Owners of America, not a bad place to do it. Um, okay, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm tired now. I'm now. I'm just now. I'm just tired. I just now. I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it just irritates me. But it is that implicit threat. Oh. I gotta, there's a hair in my nose. It's tickling me. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, 
I got nothing, says Jimmy. I got nothing. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now, Jimmy. I just kind of gave it all right there. I just kind of blew all my outrage in one segment on uh, on this. And again, reason number 1,236 why I homeschool my kids. So they don't have to go to the school meal lunch program and have to deal with a with a lunch lady who's terrified that she's about to uh, uh, she's terrified she's about to uh, be you know slammed down by the justice department for apparently discriminating or looking the wrong way at somebody. Uh, listen to Senator Shower's forum on the ConCon broadcast from the Valley the other day. Thanks, Politic. Mike cleared up a few of my misconceptions, says Willie. Well, if we if he calls in this morning, maybe that will uh, maybe maybe we'll have him uh, uh, jump in on that um, and uh, see what he has to say. Uh, I put out a request to an interview request to Doug Massey, who is his opponent, um, Mike Shower's opponent, and um, I have not heard back yet. I want I put a request for interview in. And I was hoping we would hear from them, but I have not. Um, I have not heard yet. So we'll we'll see what we can come up with. Um, see if we can get Mr. Shower on the uh, uh, on the telephony here, and uh, we'll see if we can get him ready to rock and roll for this morning. That's not a good sign. Uh, you know, he's got a he's got a schedule that's kind of all over the place. And he doesn't always get go. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, no answer. That could mean that he is just hasn't. Who knows? We'll see. That is what is who I'm interested to hear about how Mike is doing against Massey. Yeah, I mean, I think Doug Massey is very much a business as usual. Good old boys being backed by some of the same old, same old. They want to take Mike Shower out. There is no doubt about it in my mind that he is one of the biggest thorns in their side, and they want to take him out. That's why Massey got dropped in there. Um, it's been rumored for years that Massey has wanted to get into politics, and this was just like the perfect opportunity. Uh, for uh, for him to come in here and then to use him as a stalking horse against Mike Shower. Now, I don't think he has much of a chance. I may be wrong, but um, I think that he is he's this is Mike Shower's race to lose. We'll see what happens on it, but uh, we'll uh, we'll have to we'll just have to see what's uh, what's going on. Um. Okay. Big, long, heavy breath. Ready to dive into this here for hour two. Uh, again, hoping that Mike Shower is with us um, to to uh, uh, to uh, give us the rundown of his ConCon broadcast this last week. Uh, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear how it went. And uh, and feel free if you listened and want to share your thoughts on it in the chat room. Feel free to do so. Uh, let's, uh, you know, give me your thoughts. I see that again, Willie watched it, but I would love to hear what, uh, what your guys' thoughts are. If you did participate or if you watched the presentation, I'd love to have it. Shower just has to keep hammering how he's for a full PFD and his opponent is for a sustainable PFD. Yeah. Well, and that, and the fact that he's not going to be more collaborative in his approach. We all know what happens to collaborators. 
<laughs> he used the word collaborative, and I thought that's an unfortunate use of the word. Because when you say collaborator, all I think is quizzling, right? It's all I think about is quizzling. When you say collaborate, I'm going to be more collaborative. Um, well, that's what the Vici were, but, you know, hey, that was an unfortunate turn of phrase for you. Sorry. <laughs> all right. They call him Mr. Shower. We're going to be joining him here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show. Here we go. Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, and, of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, Hump Day, middle of the week, Wednesday. Uh, this is the time we get a chance to let our hair down a little bit and relax and rest and uh, talk to our ultimately, you know, truly calm and concise guest, Senator Mike Shower, GOP State Senator for District E, soon to be District O. Uh, he joins us for what we like to call the Shower Hour of Power. Uh, and uh, he uh, he called in here at the last minute this morning, ready to go. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Well, ready to go. I'm not sure it describes it so accurately. Okay. However. I'm sorry. You are here. You are here in body, if not in spirit, or in spirit, if not in body. One of the two, right? Yes, I'll take option two, please. I'll take. Can I take option two for five hundred, Alex? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, State Senator Mike Shower joins us, uh, ready to go, and uh, or at least willing to go. Maybe not ready, but willing uh, to go and uh, dive into today. Um, Mike, uh, we got a. Uh, you, you've had a busy couple weeks here. You've been doing a lot of stuff. I see a lot of folks have attended your. Um, uh, attended your uh, meeting on the ConCon, uh, which was the Constitutional Convention. You did a, a forum that was broadcast from the Valley uh, last week. So maybe first and foremost, we talk a little bit about that and uh, kind of go over some of the points that you made there and give po folks a little sneak peek of what uh, that was all about. Sure. How would you like to proceed? Um, I, I would. I will give you the floor, my friend. What was it I about? And to, you have the floor. Proceed. You now just need to speak. That's so. It is actually. It's called the School of Government, and Mayor Edna DeVries up in the valley. She's the mayor of the Matsu Borough. Holds it every week or every other week on Monday night. So she uh, a few months ago we were talking, and I was there 
and I've done this a few times, she'll invite different, you know, either political speakers or, you know, special topics, whatever it is. And she's like, hey, would you like to come back and discuss the Constitutional Convention? I'm like, well, of course I would. So um, when in, uh, we had a really good attendance. It's the biggest, about the biggest group I've personally seen. There were about 100 people there in person. All the uh, church was filled and uh, held in a real life. At, it's called Real Life Church off Palmwell, still up in the valley. Pastor's a really good guy. Lets people come in and, and do these kind of events and educational, you know, seminars, whatever you want to call them. And so, anyways, went in real good attendance. Had a lot of people online. And Edna said, "Okay, three things you can talk about." Constitutional Convention. That was primary because I didn't want to talk about anything else because that's what's in front of us. A little bit about ranked choice voting, and then for some interesting reasons, like you know, some people had a lot of questions about the Binding Caucus because coming up again, rearing its ugly little unethical head. So right, right. we are um, back in that phase again. So well, mostly, Mike, we talked about Constitutional Convention, and <clears throat> for and we were there for over two hours. Um, I think I did about 45 minutes or so of kind of talking about the points of it and then quite a bit of question answers from folks that, you know, went all over the map, not necessarily about the CONCON by itself. So anyways, so <clears throat> went through the list of things trying to tell people the biggest thing I think out of all of it is that the opposition to the Constitutional Convention has one message to sell and one message only, and that is fear. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and there is no other cogent message from them as far as what would actually happen, how bad it would be. I mean, it, it's gotten so bad, Mike, that I was on the you know the Picaro show the other day. He called to uh, it was actually kind of cool over the weekend. I know you might have seen it. I mean, Mayor Bronson was at a. Uh, a fundraiser and uh, we were sitting there she was there I was there we were talking for a bit and somehow the topic came up you know uh, you know hey you need any help you know how's it going you know because I have to campaign and he's like well he's like you want you know I'll endorse you I'm like you would he's like yeah I'm like okay I'll take that I'll take that Bronson, the rock star <clears throat> the guy that's out there fighting the fight the good fight in Anchorage and you know, the far left assembly. I mean, that, that dude, I'm like, he's a great guy. Another Air Force pilot, you know, so we have a lot in common. We've known Dave. We supported him during his run for mayor, obviously. And uh, certainly wanted that over the other guy, nutcase. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, Dave's like, I'll support you. I'm like, okay, cool. And then, you know, articles on it, whatever. So, um, apparently that was kind of kind of a big deal. So, um, but that's <clears throat> that's the thing I've noticed as we went through this is that there is no other message, Mike. It's only fear. Because what else are they going to say? What else are they going to do to tell people? But like I said, when I was on the Picaro show, after I got off, we, we only had you know, 10 minutes or so. We just chatted a little bit. Cause that's what he was bringing up the thing about Mayor Bronson. He's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And, and then you have this thing, you know, you have this thing coming up, this constitutional convention. I said, yeah. And so we, you know, I just discussed a little bit about it now, real briefly. Right. And, it was interesting because there was a few callers after that. And one of the ladies was a state employee, <clears throat> union member, state employee. And Mike asked some pretty pointed questions of her and she didn't have a really good answer. And she was going, well, you know, if we open up the Constitutional Convention, then we're going to, you know, we're going to some of you, we're going to lose our jobs and, and they're going to cut our pay and our retirement's going to go away. And what? Mike's like, what? What? 
What? What? How's that in the Constitution? And so I'm texting them furiously going, Mike, none of that is in the Constitution. It has nothing to do with anything that we do with a constitutional provision. And I don't blame the lady because she's probably getting union letters and all kinds of stuff saying how their jobs are threatened if you open the I mean, God knows what they're probably telling them. But here's a state employee that has entirely bought the lie that if you open up the Constitution at a convention, that her job is going to be at stake, that state employees are going to get fired, you know, the sky is falling, cats and dogs are going to live together, and you're going, what are people thinking? The level that they are going to sink to, to scare people, is already at a fever pitch. Right. And I'm going... None of that has well, anything to do with the Constitution at best. The worst, best. Well, the worst part about this, Mike, is that many of us who understand how the Constitutional Convention work already have some qualms about it. We're already nervous, right? Because we understand that if you open up the Constitution, it's not just the things that we want to change that could get changed. It could be other things that are good that could be attempted to be changed as well. And so we, you know, some of us are already a little leery of it. We understood that probably the Constitutional Convention is really the only way we're going to make it work, but we were already leery. And so now they're they're trying to play on those fears. And in fact, I had to laugh because the group that is formed with uh, your 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 old friend Kathy Geisel and uh, and John Coghill and Bruce Patello and those folks, they're calling themselves Defend Alaska's Constitution. Defend you know defend our Constitution. That's a, it's like defending it like it's under attack uh, when it's not. This is nothing to do with an attack. This is something that happens every ten years. And uh, but you're right, they are definitely playing in on the fear. So let's think about a couple things structurally. We talked about. I said first of all, you the people have three votes, not one, not two, you get three. The first vote, you get to vote whether or not we have one. You control the process, not the legislature, not the governor, not the judicial branch. You control it. Secondly, if you vote yes, you, you, the people, are going to pick the delegates. You don't have to pick politicians or legislators. You can pick regular old Alaskans, like we're selected back in 1955, to go to the convention. So it's going to be whoever you decide. You control the process. Thirdly, anything that comes out of the convention, any amendment that might actually pass, has to go for the people for an up or down vote. So if you don't like what was done, you kill it. So that's all of that. And then there's another big fear part. My old dark money, you know, it's a fandango, very scary. And you're going to come in with the dark money and they're going to have all these people flooding um, the state and they're going to turn everybody upside down. I said, so... How's that going to work? So what, they're going to dark money and they're going to elect everybody from Juno, right? Oh, it's going to be, yeah, but I'm like, wrong. Not how it works. Back to the fear mongering, not understanding it. The structure will be, we will have probably 55. It could be more delegates, but, you know, it, it even says to be very close to the structure of the original one. So that was 55 from across the state. So you're going to have all these districts and regions, you know, picked on political districts, et cetera. And the people are going to elect delegates that don't have to be and shouldn't be legislators, right? And if the lieutenant governor is very smart, whoever the next one is, they'll put it to start about the middle of January when the legislature's in session. Won't be any legislators there, right? Can't be the delegates because right, they right. got another job. That's what I would do. And so you're going to have delegates from all over. And I tried to point out to them, I said, so you're not going to get a bunch of liberals from Juneau at the convention. You'll have a liberal from Juneau. You'll also have a bunch of conservatives in the Matsu because how many legislators are in the Matsu? Oh, there's nine. So there's nine probably going to be conservative delegates out of the 55 right from the get-go. 
East Fairbanks is conservative. You're going to get a couple conservatives from there. Kenai is going to be conservative. You're going to get conservatives from there. Half of Anchorage is conservative, half liberal. You're going to get more conservatives some more liberal. So my point is, as I point out to people, you're not going to get some far left or far right, you know, massive contingent at the delegation. What you're going to get, Mike, from the get-go is something that looks, I would say, probably pretty similar to what the legislature looks like today. Right. A balance of conservatives and liberals and some moderates in the middle. You're not going to get a wacky imbalance. And people need to understand that because what that means is you're not going to get this massive movement left, right, or other kind of stuff because there's going to be a balance at the convention of people from different philosophical backgrounds. You go, well, that's just like Juno. It's not going to do anything. Right. Isn't that something? In other words, you're not going to get this massive movement they're trying to scare everybody with. But what it does do and what's different is because it's not a two-thirds requirement to move constitutional amendments like it is with the legislative body where we can't get anything done. Because like I've told you before, this is really, to me, the big thing protecting the PFD and saving it for the future and don't let the politicians and the big union bosses and big businesses and special interests take the PFD, which they will do if they are allowed to. That's how you're going to save it is with this constitutional convention. You only need 50% plus one. So you actually have a bar that we could probably get past with just enough people with a common sense constitutional amendment to make it work. So that's the structure. And then on top of all of that, Right. Remember, they go, we have the best constitution ever. There's nothing wrong with it. They were wise when they wrote it. I go, okay, well, if they're so wise, number one, they also put in the provision that every 10 years there would be a constitutional convention question because they knew someday down the road, people might need to take some of that power back. Right. 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 So that's, that's kind of the one of the things that they kind of scratch their head. Well, yeah, but, um, oh, and have we ever amended it? We got to protect that constitution, right? Protect it. Except, um, folks, we have amended it. Many times. Right. There's nothing wrong with amending the Constitution. <clears throat> this is nothing outrageous or crazy or dangerous on the outside. I believe I was looking up, there's been over 200 state constitutional conventions in our history. It happens often. This is not a big deal. It is nothing to be afraid of, Mike. What they are afraid of, the real fear, is those that don't want a constitutional convention because they are scared to death that the people will actually pass things that are good and common sense and they will lose power and they will lose money and control over their government slice of the pie because they can't protect it anymore. And the little cobble of Juno, that's what they're afraid of. Mike, right. that the people will take some of the power back and they will lose that money and control over the PFD, which means they can't dole it out to their various constituencies and special interest groups. That's what's at stake, brother. Yeah. The reason why they're so upset, the reason they're desperate to protect the Constitution, so-called, is because it's going to potentially mean they're going to lose power and money and control of the process. Yeah. That's it. End of story. Nothing more complicated than that. The header of their website says a constitutional convention is unnecessary expensive <laughs> and dangerous that's, the, that's it you know be scared yeah be, be scared afraid. it's unnecessary <laughs> well it is necessary we've talked about that it's necessary because they obviously don't have the political will to do it and one second point before we go to break here but my my these my grandfather basically always said you know look behind anything that's going on always look behind those that support it those that put money behind it those that you know that are uh, uh, that are uh, uh, part of it and 
and, and pushing it. And so all I had to do was go to the of this group that's against the CONCON and look at who they are. You know, Kathy Giesel, co-chair, John Coghill, co-chair, Joel Hall, co-chair, Bruce Patello, Bryce Edgmond, Luke Hopkins. I mean, these are the names. And then the names that are supported, including Scott Kendall uh, and Libby Bacalar. And I mean, I'm just going through all these names and I'm just like, these are the people who have stood in the way of any fixes or changes or solutions to our fiscal problems. They are the problem. These people are the problem, and of course they don't want anything to change because they don't want to let that crisis go to waste. Because they want to keep the power, Mike. The Constitutional Convention could possibly threaten their power and their ability to control the government process and money and their constituencies of all those big special interests. Mike, that's it. It it really is that simple, brother. Alaskans have to understand it. It's that simple. It's It's just about... The, the, the deep state politicians and the rest of them losing power and the people taking it back. That's what they're scared to death of, my friend. It's, it's really not any more complicated than that. It's, it's all big government people who want to keep government big instead of finding ways to take these options off the table. Mike Showers, our guest, will continue with him here in just a second. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more and Mike Shower right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now with State Senator Mike Shower. See, it's better than a cup of coffee, Mike. I just get you going in the morning and now you're all energized. Every time, standard. It never fails. <laughs> never fails. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, this is. I mean, I just you look through this list on their website, and it is like a who's who of big government, uh, big government folks. Uh, I mean, some names I don't recognize, but a big chunk of them: Calvin Schreggy, again, Kathy Giesel, uh, Cliff Grow. Uh, Gottstein is in there. Um, Doug Isaacson, uh, for folks up in the interior, remember Doug Isaacson, he's uh, part of that. Uh, Fran Ulmer, Gene Terrio, again from the interior. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm just looking at name after name after name. These are people who are all pro big government. Leaving you know business as usual, putting it all into the into the government's hands and taking it all away from the people. That's who all these that's how that's who all these people are in this list. It's astonishing. And how do I get how do we get the message out, Mike? How do we reach enough Alaskans, get them vote for this, and have a chance to take the power back? Because it's the ADN, you know, the Anchors Democratic News, the Fairbanks News Miner, the the Juno Empire, KTUU, the stations, Alaska News Source, all of them. They're all filled with people that are completely aligned with the big government types because this has always been about power and control, always. And they're aligned entirely. So they're not going to get the message out. They're not going to say, well, Mike Shower just had a constitutional convention explaining why it's actually not that dangerous. I'm never going to get that opportunity to reach, you know, another couple hundred thousand Alaskans through all those different news sources, so-called that 
you know, people are going to see because that's what they know. You have your base and people are going to see a few thousand folks and whatever it is. That's great. Get some other shows or maybe a little bit of the Facebook outreach or social media. But, you know, we're reaching a small slice of the pie. How are we ever going to get the message out to people? We need a benefactor. We need people that have money and time and that want to volunteer to have, you know, crack open the Constitution instead of defend our Constitution. We need somebody says Constitutional Convention now, you know, or whatever. We need this is an uphill battle and I'm here to tell people I'm trying to it's very frustrating because you and I both know this is our chance this is it as you and I have discussed before and I absolutely believe with all my heart 10 years from now we have lost Alaska if we don't do this now and take some things back and look at stuff that the people could fix that the legislature never will because they want to hold on that power we are a we are going to be a left of center state because we're losing the good people going to Texas and Louisiana and North Dakota where the the grass is greener for jobs and we're getting up the people that are the left of center from Washington, you know, Oregon, California, want to turn us into a big national park. Don't develop oil and gas. Don't mine while they're driving their electric cars and have no idea what the word hypocrisy means. Right. And (laughs) (laughs) no, I I think you're right. I mean, what we need is an organization. I mean, I had heard through the grapevine that this group, is already out there shopping around $100,000 worth of uh, uh, media buys that they want to put out there to, again, scare the people. Uh, Like they have millions because they've got union money and big government money behind them. They're going to spend millions of dollars to fight this and make sure they can grab a constitution that gives them power. They're going to spend millions, brother. Watch. Well, what we should, and, and, and well, you, I don't know how we counter that without money. Well, what you probably do is you're going to ha- probably have to make bedfellows with maybe the um, pro-life crowd or something, so that they can get the Constitution open because they're they're going to want to open the Constitution um, for the pro-life issues, and we're want to open the Constitution for the governmental issues, the spending issues, the PFD and the spending cap and the judicial reform and things like that. So maybe but, maybe we need to make bedfellows with them and and uh, and get things rolling. Well, it's interesting. We, I talked about that, and, and I, I know we're going to have to go back on radio here a second, but I'll bring that up and talk because those are what I called the niche issues when I was discussing this Monday night. Monday is the most thorough, most detailed, you know, um, thing I've done so far related to the Constitution, you know, because it was a full, full on, you know, brief on every part of it. But um, those are what I describe as niche issues. Right. I mean, people would be fired up about them, but it's not a majority of Alaskans. And those are right. the things that I don't. That's why I'm not as worried about them. Because they're not going to get gun control, not going to get that kind of traction. You know, something to do with abortion, for example, pro-life, not going to get enough traction. All right. Hold, um, the hold, judicial, on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Of hold course, on. Of hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, folks, like and share. Like and follow. Let's get it going on. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. All right, continuing now, Mike Schauer is our guest, GOP state senator in District E, soon to be District O. We've been talking about the Constitutional Convention, and I want to follow up on something we were just touching on during the break, Mike, uh, and that is we got to have some kind of structure. I mean, these folks are organized already. I mean, they've already got websites and videos, and they're already, again, spreading the fear out there. We need to come up with some way. We've got to come together somehow. 
And that's hard when you got a bunch of rugged individualists, you know, uh, conservative, uh, leave me alone, I, w- I just want to be left alone kind of people. We, you know, government is ha- what happens to you when you're not paying attention, and we need we, we need to pay attention here, and we need to uh, we need to come together, and uh, we need to create our own group. We need to form our own coalition. We need to raise our own funds. We need to find our own benefactor who's got some money, uh, because as you point out, the labor unions are going to be behind them. They're going to pour hundreds of thousands of dollars into this. Um, and they're going to be doing their best to scare and terrify Alaskans uh, about the dangers of a constitutional convention. Well, look, a couple, let's summarize a few things. First of all, you get the votes. You, the people, get the votes. You, the people, pick the delegates. You, the people, will vote up and down. That's number one. Number two, you are going to um, look at a balanced delegation you know, the, the folks that would actually show up, the delegates, because you're going to get them from all regions of the state. It's not going to be far left, far right, anything like that, because it's going to look very similar to the current legislature, which is pretty even, balanced, Democrat, Republican, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to see that, right? Um, and that's the kind of the second part. The third part, from a safety valve, if you will, as we were just discussing on the break and had to stop in, for the time, is what I call the niche issues. You and I both know the issues that most people care about are going to affect their wallet, right? I brought this up at the at the briefing Monday night. First of all, the PFD, it's the wedge issue. I think it's the thing that because it affects almost every single Alaskan. It's a big deal. People are sick and tired of watching the government take it arbitrarily, breaking the statute, the law, and just doing what they want. So that issue affects everybody. So you're going to get traction on that one and movement to do something to protect it. Second thing, and I brought this up, I said every every normal citizen has to balance their budget. They have a spending cap, right? They could get a house loan. They could use a credit card. But essentially, the bills come due. They have to pay them, right? Or they start having things taken from them. Nobody comes and takes things from the government when it overspends or has to get more taxes or do whatever it does. So a spending cap, the current constitutional spending cap that is irrelevant and doesn't work needs to be make fun- made functional. So you'll get traction on that, I think. It may be harder to pass, but it, you'll get some traction there. Everything else, Mike, everything else that people talk about, every little bit of fear that they spread is about the niche issues. Now, of course, their fear you know, is about the PFD, but they're not talking about it as much because they just want to ignore that and hope it goes away, but it's never going to. But the other ones are niche issues, and that's what they're selling the fear. That poor lady that's convinced she's going to lose her job as a union member, but public sector employee. Right. And by the way, she's like, Oh, you know, we work hard. I've never said nobody's saying state employees don't work hard. I know some people will be sarcastic online here. They've got a job, they work, they do, they do good stuff. Right. And so, but nobody's, nobody, but that they believe it that they're going to do it. And these are niche issues. They talk about pro-life issues. It's still a niche issue. The judicial reform, it's a niche issue, even election integrity, anything else you might look at. If there was ways to put something in there, and a lot of that's going to be things you can't really do constitutionally. They're not going to make sense or fit. Those are niche issues, Mike. You're not going to get the kind of traction at a convention that's going to look like what this state does, the political makeup, because that's what it's going to look like. That's going to get the kind of traction to pass. And then even on top of that, if they did pass an amendment, somehow got 50% plus one, because of the makeup of the state right now, I don't think they would pass either. At the ballot box, because it goes back to it's fear, fear, fear. And I'm going, quit being afraid of it, folks. You've got the power. You've got the power to enact it. You've got the power to pick the delegates. You've got the power to approve or disapprove anything they do. The makeup's going to look like the state. It's not going to be wacky left or right. And these niche issues are not going to be the things that are going to get passed. They're not going to get the traction. 
There are so many good reasons to do this, Mike, and safety valves and how it works that people should not be afraid of it. The people, I should say, should not be afraid of it. The big government types, the big labor unions, business interests, special interests, all the ones that are scared to death of the people getting the power back, yeah, they should be afraid. Why? Because this is about taking power from them, and they're scared to death you're going to have that power taken away. And then one of the last kind of, not last, but I mean, we'll bring up other things here that I, I, is fascinating is that, well, and I've heard this, Mike, many times. Well, I, I will trust the people to do this. You know, we need to leave it to the politicians because we've done such a great job so far, right, with all of this. And they're like, oh, the bottom line, Mike, is not only they're afraid of the people, they don't trust the people. And I go, well, that's kind of interesting because we come from the people in the legislature. Right. You're supposed to be made up of this. Right. Government's isn't, supposed to be made up of people, you know? I mean, that's, isn't, isn't the Constitution, and I mentioned this the last time I read it, say something about all power is derived from the people, and yet we're supposed to be afraid of the people. We don't trust the people to do this. What a fascinating concept. Does that say something? about the very people that are the deep state politicos and the rest of them, that they don't trust the people, and yet our very constitutional guiding document, that wise document that was written so well by the founders in 1955, says all power is derived from the will of the people. Interesting, Mike, because we have been ignoring the will of the people for years. Mic drop. I'm just, that's it. That's it. It's a thing. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's always, it's always, uh, uh, you know, it's always, uh, just amazed me when the people are like, well, you know, the problem with all the, <clears throat> the stuff is, you know, the people. And so what we need is we need a government that's made up of people. Um, you know, we need a few that will then tell the rest of them what to do because they somehow have omniscient power, um, you know, and some kind of God-given intellect, uh, intellectus that allows them to understand things that we, the mere mortals, can't understand. And of course, that's the reaction for many of these people. You just don't understand. You just don't understand Yeah, that's the, the Kathy Giesel. I'm much smarter than the rest of you, very condescending. It's all, I, you just don't get it. You don't understand. You can't possibly know what I know, right? the current oligarchy that we have ruling us today in this country because we're no longer, you know, republic, you know, of the people. Right. We are an oligarchy. We are a power-based government with the the money. I mean, let's let's just take a, a step for a second. Think about to the justice system. Everybody's like, oh, but justice, we need more justice. We need this social justice, all this. I'm like, we don't have a justice system, Mike. We have a two-tiered justice system. We have a justice system for you and me and the rest of the people listening on the radio. There's one set of rules and laws that apply to us. There's another set of rules and laws that apply to the power brokers, the 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 wealthy, the elites. They have right. a different set. And I'm sorry, brother. If you look at things like what happened with Hillary Clinton and you know Joe Biden's son Hunter and others, and there's people on the right too. I'm not just picking on the left. It's, it happens across the political spectrum of the power players, the special people, the elites. They get away with stuff all the time. Like literally, probably get away with murder. And you and I get a speeding ticket and we go to jail. There are two tiers of justice in this country, Mike, the powerful and the elite and the rest of us. And, you know, there's probably things we could do in a constitutional convention that might address some of that, too. But if people think this is fair or we're fairly represented, I asked them that. I asked the question. I asked for a show of hands. You know, who thinks of this, you know, that, you know, the government really represents people anymore? You know, like two hands went up out of 100. You know, I asked the question where they always talk about, well, you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, government services, you know, and the cash and the PFD, you know, people are always like, well, you know, PFD is, you know, it, it gives you services, government services. I was like, huh, 
we've talked about this in the show before I brought it up. I said, so show hands again. Show me. How many of you have called the police? Like one hand went up out of 100. How many of you called fire department? Like two hands went up. You know, how many of you used other government services for any kind of stuff? And everybody kind of scratched their head and really no hands went up. I'm like, yeah, strange, isn't it? I haven't called either. I haven't called police. I haven't called fire. Uh, you know, education. Oh, well, you know, education. Well, you know, we homeschooled our kids and a lot of that came out of pocket. So no. Oh, well, you know, for roads and bridges. Yep. Some of that. Sure. But most of that we already pay for through our federal taxes because that's where most of our infrastructure money comes from. Right. And every gallon of gas you buy, you pay tax. So, hmm, not really. I said, oh, I've got, I've got one. I've got one. The IRS, I use them every year to <laughs> take my money from me. Oh, that's not a great example. Oh, oh, the, the county. I go to the borough, right? I go down to the taxing authority to pay my property tax. That, Wait a minute. That's a government agency that, that exists that I have to use just to take money from me. So what really, Mike, really? And yes, I know. Military, law enforcement, you know, the greater good, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But the reality is for most people, when they talk about these, the, the cash value of the government and the money that, you know, that is taken from the PFD or the rest of it, it affects, it really benefits, Mike, really only a very, very small slice of the pie because the private sector is still most jobs. They don't get a benefit from that. Not directly, right? But the PFD is a direct benefit. But boy, the, the unions sure get it. Remember, I'm not anti-union because I'm in one. But the unions sure get a benefit of that government money, right? Special interests get a big benefit of that money. The power it gives the players, the big right. players, the big right. businesses. There's a lot well, of people that get direct benefit right. from government money, we, we saw, but it's not the average citizen. Right. We saw that in the whole corporate cronyism and the fact that uh, so many chambers of commerce sounded off on the full PFD and everything. Don't spend that money on. Don't give it to the people. You need to give it to the government so the government can dole out these fat checks to these different corporations. And so it's welfare on both ends of the spectrum. It's welfare <laughs> to the lower, to the lowest, uh, you know, uh, income population. And it's, it's welfare to the highest income population because they built their whole business model around that government spending. And those of us in the middle are walking around going like, you know, looking shell-shocked because we just keep getting gobsmacked by all these costs and, and prices and everything else. And then we're and then we're 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 chastised for how dare we want to cut government services because we want to cut the size and scope of government. I mean that that's not it at all. It's a false analogy, but it's it's what they do each and every time. No, they scare people with it, right? I mean, that's really what this is all about is ultimately is scaring people away from the concept of it and making it so that people are so afraid of it, they'll never vote for it. When in fact, the people don't understand the, the reason they're trying to get you to do that is because it's good for the people. But the people are going to be afraid of doing it, realizing that it's it's actually a good thing for them, but they're going to be scared of it. And so they're going to twist the narrative and turn it upside down. And we're trying to tell people, no, 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 it's good for you. You want this because it's going to give you power back, probably going to put more money in your pocket. It's probably going to limit spending and growth of the government in the future, which is going to actually take less money out of your pocket. These are things that are benefits for the people, Mike, but it's not a benefit for the state. And I mean the state government. It's not a benefit for the big power players. This two-tier justice system, we got a two-tiered you know, um, government benefit system. <laughs> it's like it's, it benefits some people, but it, not everybody, right? And you go, what about welfare? You know, okay, well, there's the welfare net. There's plenty of people in Alaska getting welfare, certainly when you look at the social you know, setup and the rest of it. But again, the average citizen that's working, has a job, has a bill, you know, mortgage payment and car and kids and all the other stuff, 
they don't get that big benefit. You know, like I said, the biggest thing you could probably say of most people, you know, from a state perspective of spending is education. Those that have kids and their kids go into public school. That's probably the biggest thing you can say. But again, a lot of that money is paid for taxes, right? Because your property right. taxes, other stuff, right. go to many of these things. So to say you're not already paying for it is baloney because you are. And a lot of our money also come from education comes from federal government. Oh, did we not mention that taxes? So, right, right. Uh, all right, break time. We're, we're at the break time here. We're going to wrap uh, for this segment, and then we'll give you one final segment to talk about. We've been talking about the ConCon for those folks who are just joining us. And if you missed anything, you can go back and listen to it on the whole podcast, which is available on CastBox, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, iTunes, uh, Spotify. <clears throat> That's my favorite place to go, Spotify. Uh, anyway, we're going to continue with Mike Shower here in just a moment. And we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. And this is one of the reasons why they don't want Mike Shower going back to Juno. I'll tell you right now, just laying down the truth bombs and talking about this stuff is just yet another reason why they do not want him going back to Juno to dig up and stir up all this. He's a troublemaker. He's a troublemaker, and he uh, he, he he pokes his finger in the eye of authority for all the business-as-usual crowd, and boy, they just don't like that whatsoever. That's just bring not... that up when we go back in the radio too, Mike. So I think that's important to note. You know, they want somebody that's going to be moderate, that's going to be a big union person, collaborative. Um, somebody that's going to be collaborative. You know, with the <laughs> with the with the big government crowd down there. That's what they want. And all you got to do is look and see who supports who. You know, in the election process, and you're going to get a good idea of that, right? Yeah. Who do the Randy Rudricks are supporting? Versus, you know, the real freedom people um, and who are the unions supporting and giving money to versus those that are not. You know, I don't have any of that stuff. Some other people certainly are getting that support. So you got to pick carefully, folks, because this is a big deal. And it's not just me. I'm not the only one. I'm, I'm you know, a pretty loud one, obviously, I'm causing no trouble with things, but I'm just one. And, you know, there's those that that want to make sure well, it, even beyond that, Mike, so, so mention that when we go back, if you would, on the radio so people hear that, because I think this is a very important point. It's not just me. There's others that they don't want to go back either that are going to squawk about this and that are going to try to shake things up and do what's in the best interest of the people, PFD, other stuff, right? That is a big, big part of this, you know, as we're going through the, the discussion process. And it takes me back to, ooh, the binding caucus again. Why? Think about that. What's the binding caucus do? The binding caucus forces you to promise your vote and gives power to a small group of people to decide what the budget's going to be. Right. Who are those people by and large most of these years, Mike? They're big government people. They're deep state operatives. They're pro-union. They're pro this, that, and the other, and, and where the money where the money goes. That's that's the control. That's the power. It's the money. Where they get to put it and manipulate the flow of it and who, who gets that money. So the Binding Caucus is another part of this, my friend, because it's rearing its ugly head. I'm hearing people like Sadler down in Eagle Rivers calling all the House candidates going, got to have Binding Caucus, got to have it. It's the only way it's going to work. So I've been calling those candidates and they go, well, you know, he says this, that, and the other. I go, oh, 
okay. Did he tell you this? Well, no, he didn't tell me that's that word. Did he tell you that you never prom- promised your vote for this and you're, you campaign in the full PFD, but if it's $1,000, you're going to have to vote for it or else? Well, no, it didn't tell me that. That's right. They're not telling you all of the gotchas with the binding caucus. They're just telling you how it's going to make it so much more efficient. It's going to flow so much more smoothly. It's going to be such a better process and quick. All right, yeah. stop, stop talking about this because we're gonna. I want to. I want to revisit this on the radio, and I don't want to repeat ourselves. Uh, <laughs> Why? It's so much more fun the second time. It's so, it's so. It's so much more cohesive the second time. I've actually thought the argument out now, and we can talk about it again. Uh, Mike Shower uh, is our guest, uh, getting ready for it here. Jumping back in here in just a couple minutes uh, on this. Uh, you getting anything done this summer, Mike? You, uh, you, uh, you know, getting, getting your honey do list done or you, uh, <laughs> go, go, go. Well, I wish I could say I was getting more progress than I, than I am. And the biggest part is because unfortunately I'm having to campaign and fundraise and go around the district and, and do all of that because now I have somebody that wants the seat. And so, um, that's my problem is I'm having to, you know, as a citizen legislature, that's a big deal, right? We want, in my opinion, a citizen legislature. We don't want career politicians or retired or the wealthy or whoever to have these seats because that's all they want. We need people that are regular citizen legislators that have to go back out in the real world and have a job and try to get by. And they're connected that way because I think that makes them govern more smartly and not be disconnected from the people and what's happening economically. So I am unfortunately not getting much done that doesn't relate to going to nothing but campaign events and and meetings and those kinds of things because um that's just what's required right now uh, right you know right. With, with somebody that really wants to see it because they're doing that it makes it a little more challenging and plus i'm trying to go around to the a lot of the other folks you know like roger holland's race a lot of the house races to support them just to be there so we're spending even more time doing that because i think the numbers are going to matter Especially if we don't have a concon, Mike, if we don't vote yes. Right, right. If we don't if we don't keep the House and the Senate, you know, or we get a different governor, like another Governor Walker back or whatever, then it's just we're just two more years of nothing good's gonna happen. So I'm trying to spend time on that too to to plus those people up and try to get them you know, get good people well, back in office or yeah, in we, office. We definitely have some uh, interesting races this year, and we definitely need uh, we definitely need some help. Um, you know, we got races like uh, uh, you know Scott Clayton versus David Wilson. Uh, Wilson has been uh, you know kind of wishy washy on his positions on all of these things. We need somebody who's a little bit more stalwart. We've got to send Roger Holland back. You know, we don't need Kathy Geisel back in there uh, at all. We've got a there's there's a handful of races out there that are like this, and yes, they all need to be propped up. In one way or the other. Yeah, that's a, it's just a, you asked them, am I getting anything done? Well, yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to get done and all I really have time for. You know, I mean, there just isn't time, you know, to do that. Um, it's just, it's, it takes time, brother, time, money, and effort. That's what this is. And most people don't understand just how much it takes when you do this. And it is, it is daunting and time consuming. Blood, blood, sweat, and treasure. Blood, sweat, and tears. Right? right? Blood, sweat, <laughs> and treasure. That's what it's all about going on right now. All right, we're jumping Indeed. back into it. Mike Showers, our guest. Folks, like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. If you haven't gone to YouTube yet to uh, like and subscribe there, would you do that as well? Still trying to hit 1,000 viewers on YouTube. Here we go.
All right, one final segment here. Mike Showers, our guest, the Shower Hour of Power, State Senator for District E, soon to be District O, also running for re-election. And uh, one of the things I said right out of the break was, all the things you've just heard over the last 40 minutes are all reasons why they do not want Mike Shower going back to the Senate, because he is a troublemaker, a rabble-rouser. He's a pot-stirrer. And they do not like to have their gentle apple cart upset. Uh, they don't want people taking control. They don't. They like the business as usual. They like the way things are going right now. They like to decide on the PFD. They. It's not a. It's not something that they're actually looking to solve because it gives them the crisis that they need to be able to manipulate things. And Mike, I think that's one reason why they don't want you to go back. Oh, there's no doubt, Mike. There's a lineup of people, of deep state operatives and others that are supporting somebody else, right, to go back, not me. You know, they want somebody that's going to be more collaborative. I'm using that word for a reason because I've heard that up here in my particular race, you know, more collaborative. I've, you know, looked at, you know, who's supporting who. Is it union supporting the person or is it regular people? I don't have union supporting me, Mike. Maybe the other person does. Point is, is that and I'm, and I'm not saying these things to throw spears at anybody. I'm saying you have to be very cautious and be very educated on who is supporting, you know, somebody to go back. And it's not like, like I said in the break, it's not just me. I'm just one, right? There's many others too. And look at who's getting the support. Are big unions supporting him? Or are they getting no union support, right? Are they getting the support of people like Randy Rudrick, who's the master manipulator, you know, kingmaker in the party for moderates and rhinos? Or is, are they getting support from Dave Bronson, right, who's a hardcore conservative, right? Are they getting it from, you know, their own party chairs? Are they getting it from other groups and special interests, not even from their district? Look very carefully, as always, folks, and follow the money. And look who is supporting who. And it gives you a really good idea. One way to do it, folks, pretty simple, is go to APOC. Go to the APOC reporting and see who is getting money from where. You talked about Representative Calvin Schrage tried to convince me that he's independent. I'm independent. You know, I do it. I'm like, really? That's interesting, Calvin, because you get all your money from Democrats and all of the money that you spend from APOC goes to all Democrat organizations and you caucus with the Democrats and you vote with the Democrats, but you're going to sit here and try to convince me that you're independent, brother. I'm sorry. I'm not buying what you're selling. Right. I'm not. Well, it's like so I follow the money. It's like I was just saying with the defend the Constitution group. I mean, all you have to do is look at the chair, look at the board, look at who supports it, look at those numbers. You got to look at who is backing it. And that will give you that will cut through all the BS and the filters and the fog that they continue to gen out there so that the issue is confusing. You can look to see who supported it. Oh, yeah, those guys. If those guys are for it, then I'm obviously against it. You can do the same thing with people who are with uh, with with candidates who are being supported. They could say all they want that they're independent, that they're or that they're conservative or that they're for the people or that they're for. But look at the people who have given them money. Look at the people who are supporting them. And that tells you a lot. Look at, uh, you know, Representative Merrick, for example, running for the Senate. Look at who was walking in Bear Paw, because Michelle and I, again, were taking our time and treasure. We went down to Bear Paw and walked with Sharon Jackson and uh, Stanley Wright, two good people that are trying to, you know, make a difference, and they're conservative, and they believe in the PFD, other kinds of stuff. We support them. We're there trying to help out, you know, do our part. And I was watching Kelly Merrick when they went by, and it was union people. Joel Hall, big union leader, right, out there marching. Huh. Her husband, right? I mean, uh, Merrick's husband, big union boss. Huh. Ain't that something? So I tell people that, Mike, not to be 
um, you know, negative towards that person. But if you want to know what they're going to do when they legislate, especially if they've already been one, look at who they joined with caucus with look at who they supported and how they voted look at where their support and money comes from look at those things folks you can go to akleg.gov and look at their votes you can go to apoc very clearly and look at where they're getting their money from it tells you an awful lot i don't have any pack money mike i don't have any union money all my money is coming from individuals all of it not one bit of pack and union money you need to do that for everybody because it will start to tell you when you look at another candidate go oh pack money huh Union money, huh? Ain't that something? That's the kind of stuff when you guys, what do I do? How do I figure this out? That's one of the ways you figure it out. Follow the money. Look on the government websites that have available information for you to go where are they getting their support from. And if they were a legislator, go to AKLEG and look up their voting record. It's not that hard to do. You can go see what bills they sponsored and moved and cross-sponsored. I brought this up before, Mike. People talk about, I've got all these certain legislators crowing about, I support election integrity and oh, blah, blah, blah. I look, I go, huh, interesting. Who's the only one that actually moved anything as a Republican? <laughs> right. And um, how many sponsors and or cross-sponsors and co-sponsors did I get? None. Not a one. And I'm not saying as a spear. I didn't specifically go around and asking, but when the bill's really important, people usually want to attach their name to it, right? Because it gives them something to talk about and shows what they support. Guess who took it on the chin for years with, with election integrity, Mike? I did. By myself. I'm the white supremacist and the racist because I followed a racist bill and it's voter suppression. All BS garbage, of course. But right. who took it on the chin? I did. And did I have anybody else with their name attached to it? Nope. Except, oh, but I support election integrity, but then why didn't you put your name on it and help me out? Right, exactly. None. The only person that was with you on this was the was the Democrat in the House who had a companion bill that you guys had actually been working on talking about being collaborative and working together uh, for a common good. There's some real <clears throat> cooperation there instead of— Yeah, and quite frankly, this, Chris Tuck probably could have been—I even talked to some politicos back in the day. He probably could have been a what would have been considered a moderate Republican— just as easy as it could have been a moderate, moderate Democrat based on some of his stances and things. Right. So Blue just dog. follow the money, people, and be careful. And the other thing, Mike, before we forget, binding caucus. Just go back to it because yep. four minutes. that's important. Four minutes? Oh, yeah, we yep. got tons of time. We can't fill that up. <laughs> uh, it's coming back. You know, as like as mentioned in the break, you're seeing like, you know, uh, Dan Sadler down there in Eagle River, big binding caucus proponent, you know, proponent. He was a former House member. He's going around telling House candidates, we've got to have binding caucus, got to have the binding caucus. So I'm hearing who's and I'm having to go call him. And I'm talking to these candidates after he talked to him. I said, well, did he tell you that it also does this? Well, he didn't say that. Did he tell you that you're on this? You're gonna have to vote on that. No, he didn't say that. I'm like, yeah, that's right. They're not. They're telling you how great the binding caucus is. It's gonna be so efficient. It's gonna make it so much better. It's gonna be faster. And I, I said, but did they tell you the part about it really should be a felony because you can't promise your vote for anything in exchange for something of value? And I told this at the ConCon thing Monday night. I'm like, do you think a finance coach here, where billions of dollars flows through your hand, is not something of value? A committee chairmanship of policy committees that decide the laws that we're going to live under is not something of value, that more staff and higher pay is not actually something of real direct value. And it says right in our statutes that you can't do that as a felony. If you handed me $1,000, Mike, and said, I want you to vote for this a year from now, we'd both go to jail. But that's exactly what happens in your legislature with the binding caucus. You are given something of value in exchange for your votes. And you don't know what those votes are. So one of the candidates was talking to like, well, I support full PFT. I go, awesome. And, you know, reduce budget. I said, awesome. You know, you join the binding caucus. 
they're going to tell you what that budget is. Well, he told me I got, you know, a hack at it. And I, they do. And they'll turn around at the end of the session and do what they want anyways. They'll ignore your stuff. What? They can do that? Oh, yeah. Ask me how I know. I've been there. And I said, you know, that full PFD you promised because your camp, he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, they're going to tell you, you know, it's going to be $1,000 and you're going to vote for that or else. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, brother. Be careful what they're telling you and the lies they're selling you. Mike, that right. binding caucus is coming back. There are people rear, it's rearing its ugly head again. And there are people that desperately want that because they want to be able to control that. And that means control of the PFD amount, means control of the budget, control of any spending as far as the cap goes. And it's there, my friend, it's back. And that is one of the, the greatest evils <laughs> of Alaska governance for, you know, when I look back on things and go, a lot of what happened and why right. goes back to that binding caucus well, where a handful of people controlled everything. Right. That's I mean, dangerous. Well, you did all the whole That's I mean, dangerous, brother. Yeah. You, Conk ain't dangerous. Binding caucus is dangerous. You, you did all the homework on this. This is not just speculation on your part. I mean, you looked, you went across the country, you did and got all the state's uh, legislatures and got a hold of them and figured it out. I mean, it's unconstitutional in some states. It's outright illegal in some states. And we're the right. only state that really uses it to any extent. And they want to bring it back. Uh, because, again, it, they can't control it without the binding caucus. That's right. And do you think this year, if we had a binding caucus, Mike, that you'd have a, even a $3,200 PFD? It should be 4200 right? That's what left the Senate. But do you think if there was a binding caucus, there'd be even that amount of PFD this year? It'd be the good old, you know, uh, Senator Von Imhoff $500 PFD, you know, because that was her plan. Right. Or the Burt Stedman $1,100 or $1,200 with some of the other plans. That, that's what it would be. Because they would control and say, here's your dividend, and this is what you're voting on. And if not, Mike, you're going to lose all power next year, and you're not even going to have a policy committee. You're not going to get to do anything. You're going to sit in the the little broom closet, and you're done. Because they're afraid of people like us, Mike, because we make a difference. We actually stir the pot. We have the people's best interest in mind. It's people first, not the government first. And be careful, because there's candidates going around, and I might be saying this for a reason. They're saying, yeah, sure, I support a PFD full PFD statutory as long as the government's funded first. Mm, Might be hearing that up in the Matsu. Oh, boy. Be careful, people. Be careful. Out of time. Mike Shower. Thanks for coming in. Folks, we got more coming up tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Uh, Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, well, I support a full PFD as long as government gets their take first. As long as government gets the first lick at the ice cream cone, I mean, it's, it reminds me of the old uh, Tootsie Roll lollipop ads with the owl. Hey, you want a lick? A crunch. Uh, yeah, that was it. Hey, where's my lollipop? That's, I mean, you know, that's yeah. what it reminds yeah. me of. They get their first lick and we get the leftover scraps. That's what it's all about. Yeah, all it is, Mike, because remember I told you years ago that one old legislator told him, Mike, if you don't spend government money, you don't have a constituency. I'm like, why ain't that something? You know, or the other one that said, you got to spend all your account money, Mike, you know, your $20,000 you have and, you know, because you just got to spend it. I'm like, why? Well, because you got to spend it. I'm like, yeah, but why? If I don't have a reason to spend it, why am I spending I mean, these are the, these are the people <laughs> in your government, Mike, controlling it, stuff you're just scratching your head going, what? Why are you doing? What? No, that's not how it should work. But that's who goes there, and that's who the people keep sending back. And then a few of us come down and start, you know, causing ruckus and asking questions and doing, they, boy, do they not want us there because we're calling them out, Mike. We're shining a light on the bad things happening, and people want to hang out in Juno, and they don't want the light shined on the party. No. They want to be able to do what they want, when they want, how they want, and they don't want you to know. And they hate people like you and me that expose the truth. At the end of the day, that's a lot of what it is. 
of what's going on here. Remember, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And, Indeed. Uh, and uh, the cockroaches scurry when the lights come on. They do not like to have things pointed out. They do not like to see that. And that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, <laughs> Mike Shower, uh, thank you, my friend, for coming on board. As always, it's good to talk with you. All right, brother. You guys take care. We'll hopefully talk to you next week or at least the week after that. All right. Uh, folks, don't forget tomorrow coming up, Ben Vincent running against Louise Stutes out of Kodiak. Uh, and also uh, Heath Smith, who is running against Gary Stevens for the Lower Peninsula, including Homer and Kodiak. They're both going to be on the program tomorrow. We look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for coming on board the Michael Duke Show. Be kind, love one another, live well. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show